For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the Feast of Shavuot, the marriage of Yeshua to the house of Jacob. This is part three of the series. Now in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 38 and verse 40, we have another characteristic which says, And I will judge you as a woman that breaks wedlock, and shed blood or judge, and I will give you blood and fury and jealousy. They also shall bring up a company against you, and they shall stone you with stones, and thrust you through with their swords. Once again, we're told here that she would be slain with the sword. In Numbers chapter 5 verse 23, we are told, And the priest shall write these curses in a book, and he shall blot them out with the bitter water. So her curses are written in a book. We have another characteristic in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 16 and 17 that is she would be forsaken by her husband. There it is written and the Lord said unto Moses, Behold ye shall sleep with your fathers and this people will rise up and go a whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land whether they go to be among them and will forsake me and break my covenant which I've made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day and I will forsake them. So in other words, by being adulterous, she would be forsaken by her husband. It goes on to say, not only will I forsake them, but I will hide my face from them. Another curse is that the face of her husband would be hidden from her. It goes on to say in Deuteronomy 31 verse 18, and I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they have wrought and that they are turned unto other gods. Where the King James says surely hide, the word surely is the Strong's number 5641. The word hide is the Strong's number 5641, which is the Hebrew word katar, which means to hide or conceal. So what this really says in Hebrew, it says, I will hide, hide my face. The word hide is repeated. So there's an amplification of the God of Israel saying, I'm going to hide my face and I'm going to be doing it in such a way that you won't recognize me. Who is the one that's speaking, that's saying he's going to hide his face? In Isaiah chapter 54 verse 8 it says, In a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. So the one that hid his face is the Lord your Redeemer. Who's the Lord your Redeemer? It's the Messiah. So the Messiah says that if you break my covenant that I'm making with you at Mount Sinai, as a consequence, I'm going to hide my face in such a way that you're not going to recognize me. Do you know how well he hid his face? Neither traditional Judaism nor traditional Christianity recognizes that 
it was Yeshua that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, neither recognizes that he's the one that entered into marriage with the house of Jacob there. That is how well he hid his face. And how well has he hid his redemption from the literal house of Jacob that in the earth today is recognized by the world, personified by the Jewish people? Well, he's done it in such a way that the Messiah of the nation of Israel is not viewed in the eyes of the traditional Jewish people as being one who fulfills the prophecies that is specified in the Torah and the prophets. How is the truth of the reality of who Messiah is he being hidden today in fulfillment of the prophecy that I'll surely hide my face? He's seen in his mask as being a Gentile Messiah, a Greek Messiah who doesn't advocate that his people follow Torah. Those who claim he's the Messiah say that they've disconnected themselves from the events at Mount Sinai and they've disconnected themselves from following Torah. This is how he fulfilled the prophecy that he would hide his face. And continuing on at the curses that would come upon an adulterous woman, it says in Hosea in chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her as a dry land and slay her with thirst. One of her consequences is that she would be slain with thirst. It goes on to say in Hosea chapter 2 verse 3, I will strip her naked and set her as the day that she was born. So an adulterous woman would be stripped naked. We can also see this description of what the enemies of the nation of Israel would do when they got exiled in the nations. In Ezekiel chapter 23 verses 22 and 23 and verse 26 it is written, Therefore, O Haliba, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will raise up your lovers against you from whom your mind is alienated and I will bring them against you on every side. The Babylonians, the Chaldeans, Pekod, Shoah, Koah, and all the Assyrians with them. And it goes on to say, They will strip you of your clothes and take away your fair jewels. In Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 30, and then in verse 32 and continuing, we're going to see that one of the curses of an adulterous woman is she's going to be laughed to scorn. Let's see how and why she's laughed to scorn. In Ezekiel 23:30, it is written, I will do these things unto you because you've gone a whoring after the heathen because you were polluted with their idols. Thus says the Lord God, you shall drink of your sister's cup deep and large and you shall be laughed to scorn and be in derision because it contains much. So you're going to be laughed at and ridiculed because you're going after other gods and you're not obeying my Torah and my commandments. In Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 28 through 30 it says, You have played the whore also with the Assyrians because you were insatiable. You couldn't get enough. Yea, you've played the harlot with them and yet you could not be satisfied. You have moreover multiplied your fornication in the land of Canaan and Chaldea and yet you were not satisfied. How weak is your heart, says the Lord God, seeing you do these things, the work of an imperish, whorish woman. Ezekiel 16 verses 31 and 32, here is where the God of Israel mocks his adulterous wife with these words. In that you build your eminent place in the head of every way and you make your high place, a high place is a term for committing adultery 
or whoredom or fornication. And you have not been as a harlot because you scorn or you despise higher. But as a wife that commits adultery which takes strangers instead of her husband, they give gifts to all whores, but you give gifts to all your lovers and you hire them that they may come unto you on every side for your whoredom. So therefore, Ezekiel 16 verse 32, you are contrary or you commit whoredom from other people or other women that commit whoredom because none follow you in the way that you commit whoredom and that you give a reward but no reward is given unto you. Here's how he's mocking her. He says normally when you commit whoredom you at least receive a gift for your services but rather than receiving a gift for your services and at least getting something out of your whoredom you are actually paying to commit your whoredom and you're not receiving anything for committing your whoredom and so you don't even know how to commit whoredom. So she's mocked for her whoredom. Next it says in Joel chapter 3 verse 3 and Obadiah chapter 1 verse 11 and they have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. In the day that you stood on the other side the other side is a reference to not following Torah disobeying Torah and the day that you disobeyed Torah in the day that strangers carried away captive his forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem. So one of the curses of an adulterous woman is her enemies would cast lots for her. Let's summarize the curses of an adulterous woman which we have covered. Number one, she would drink bitter water or be given a bitter cup. Number two, she would be slain with the sword. Number three, her curses are written in a book and blotted out. Number four, she is forsaken by her husband. Number five, her husband hides his face from her. Number six, she is slain with thirst. Number seven, she is stripped naked. Number eight, she is laughed to scorn. Number nine, she is mocked for her whoredom. Number ten, her enemies cast lots for her. With this understanding, now let's look at the way the death of the Messiah is being described. First, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 42, it says, He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, your will be done. So what is he saying? You're giving me a bitter cup to drink. Next, in John chapter 19, verse 34, it says, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. He's slain with a sword. He's slain with a spear. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the tree. The curses that were written in a book are blotted out. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, it says, In about the ninth hour, Yeshua cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he is dying the death of his adulterous woman who was forsaken, and so he's forsaken by his father. Matthew 27, 45, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land under the ninth hour. The father 
hid his face from Yeshua because there was darkness over the land. John chapter 19 verse 28 it says, After this Yeshua knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled said, I thirst. Messiah is taken upon himself a curse of an adulterous woman who would be thirsty. Matthew chapter 27 verse 28 and verse 31 we see where he's got to be stripped of his clothes or stripped naked. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe and after that they had mocked him they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him then said Yeshua father forgive them for they know not what they do and they parted his raiment and cast lot next Messiah is laughed and mocked which is a curse upon an adulterous woman Luke 23 35 and 36 and the people stood beholding and the rulers also with them derided him saying he saved others let him save himself if he be Messiah the chosen of God and the soldiers also mocked him coming to him and offering him vinegar in Luke 23:34, we see that they cast lots for his garment then said Yeshua father forgive them for they know not what they do and they parted his raiment and cast lots how is it that Messiah is dying on the tree the penalty of an adulterous woman which is specified in the Torah and the prophets how is he able to do this because Messiah is married to the house of Jacob they are in being married to each other they are one and when you were married your life is intertwined with the life of the one that you're married to when they hurt you hurt when they rejoice you rejoice that is how in Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 19 it says my bowels my bowels I am pained at my very heart Messiah hurts because he feels the pain that is being suffered because his wife is committing harlotry and adultery it is paining him in Isaiah chapter 63 verses 8 and 9 it says for he said surely they are my people children that will not lie so he was their savior we're talking about the savior the messiah and then it says in Isaiah 63 9 in all their affliction he was afflicted he's afflicted the same way that they are because Israel and the messiah are one you cannot separate them. He identifies with his people. That is why it can be said in Psalm 44 verse 22 about his people, Yea, for your sake we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. So his people are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But now let's look what it says in Acts chapter 8 verses 32 and verse 35. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear so opened he not his mouth. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture and preached Messiah. So Messiah is the sheep that was led to the slaughter. Well here his people are like sheep, but here Messiah is led as a sheep. How is this so? Because once again Messiah and his wife are one. They're Ahad. What happens to the Messiah happens to Israel. What happens to the Israel happens to the Messiah. Messiah was resurrected after three days. His people are going to be resurrected after three days. That is 
is the duration of the exile into all the nations of the world. Why did Messiah need to die on the tree to redeem his adulterous wife? Why was there no other way to redeem her besides this way? Well, we need to understand biblical marriage laws. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, it is written, When a man has taken a wife and married her, and it comes to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give her into her hand and send her out of the house. What's the house? The land of Israel. Send her out of the house. Exile her from the land of Israel. And when she is departed out of the house, exiled from the land of Israel, she may go and be another man's wife. However, in Deuteronomy 24 verses 3 and 4 it says, if her latter husband, if her second husband hates her, and he then writes her a bill of divorce and gives it into her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the second husband dies, which took her to be a wife, her former husband or her her original husband or her first husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife because she's been defiled. And that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not cause the land to sin, which the Lord God gives you for an inheritance. Based upon what the Torah says about these marriage laws, we understand then that if the first husband gives a divorce, and then the second second husband also gives a divorce, then, according to Torah, you are not permitted to remarry the first husband from the divorce of the second husband. So who's the first husband that the nation of Israel, the house of Jacob, had at Mount Sinai? Her husband is Yeshua the Messiah, but they went after other gods, and so according to Deuteronomy 24, 1 and 2, once Messiah gave a bill of divorcement, which he did to the northern kingdom in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse Verse 8, he gave the northern kingdom a, a bill of divorce. You cannot remarry the original husband. So how's Messiah going to redeem his adulterous wife? We need to understand before we look at that, that in the Bible, exile is associated and linked with divorce. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 14 and verse 33. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, I will scatter you among the heathen. The scattering is being exiled from the house or it is likened unto a divorce. Here in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 8, we see where a divorce certificate was given to the northern kingdom. We're told that both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are harlots, specifically a bill of divorce was given to the northern kingdom. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 8, And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I put her away and gave her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Now based upon these Torah marriage laws, the nation of Israel has asked the question in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 1. Here's the question that the God of Israel poses to his people. They say, meaning the Torah says, if a man puts puts away his wife, and she goes from him and become another man's. Shall he return unto her again? What does it say in Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4? No. Shall not the land be greatly polluted? What does Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4 says? Yes, but here's what the God of Israel says in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1. You have played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, says the Lord. He makes them understand that according to the Torah, if they come after you've played the harlot, the land is 
greatly polluted. And after he makes them recognize that, you know, the land is greatly polluted and it's an abomination to me, he then says, return unto me, posing the question, figure this one out. Figure how this can be so and me not violate Torah. The answer to it is this, that there is no way for the Messiah to redeem his people unless and until he dies on the tree. That's the only way the return can come. Why? It is because the only way that Yeshua can redeem his adulterous wife who married other gods and was thus exiled and divorced and not violate Torah, the only way he can do it and not violate Torah is to die on the tree. And this is really what Paul was explaining in Romans chapter 7 because the death separate the vow. And when he died, there's no longer the original vow, he resurrects as a new man. And that new man has never been married before. And the condition that he offers to marry that new man is it is done by receiving the blood that I shed. And that blood covers up the sin. So his former adulterous wife, though your sins be as scarlet, hoard them, they shall be as white as snow because his blood covers it up. And now he ends up taking a repentant, whorish, adulterous wife and she has the status through the blood of Messiah as being a virgin. Romans chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. And actually the context, he's speaking about those that know Torah marriage law. How that the law or Torah marriage law or a marriage between a husband and a wife, there is a contractual commitment, has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For a woman which has a husband is bound by by the law or bound by marriage law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is loosed from the law of her husband. In other words, if the husband dies, she's permitted to remarry again because death severs those original vows. Romans chapter 7 verses 3 and 4. So then if while her husband lives, this is referring to Messiah who had not yet died on the tree, if she's married to another man following other gods, not believing in Yeshua as the Messiah, she's an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, once Messiah dies on the tree, she is free from that law, which was the original vows that was made at Mount Sinai, which condemned her to death because she broke the terms of it. She's free from that law, and thus, being freed from it, she's not an adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law. Dead to what law? Dead to that original marriage vow that was made at Mount Sinai because Messiah died, you are dead to the law by the body of Messiah that you should be married to another. Who are you married to? The one that is raised from the dead. That is the new man. And by doing so, we should bring forth fruit unto God. The death of Messiah allows for the redemption of his bride and not breaking Torah. This is the only way that he can redeem her. This is what Paul was explaining here in Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 4 but because we do not know Torah and we do not know the events that happen here traditional Christianity has taken Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 4 and they've said that Paul was explaining that we don't follow the law anymore we're dead to the law and that is not what he is explaining so in summarizing this message we understand that Yeshua laid down his life to redeem an adulterous wife whom he married at Mount Sinai and who pledged there at Mount Sinai to keep his commandments. Instead of being a faithful wife and keeping his commandments, she worshipped other gods.
gods. Rather than seeing her die according to the letter of the law, which was permissible according to the Torah, Messiah chose to show abundant mercy toward her by shedding his blood on the tree to forgive her of her sins. In doing so, Messiah demonstrated to his adulterous wife his incomprehensible love for her. As a result of this love, Yeshua will dwell with his redeemed bride during the Messianic era and ultimately will spend eternity with her in the heavenly Jerusalem. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, the Feast of Shavuot, the marriage of Yeshua to the house of Jacob. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.